Hello and welcome back to another installment of the First Impressions series here at There Was an Idea, in which I go to the movie theater, see the most recent MCU movie, maybe more than once on its opening weekend, come to the microphone and share my initial reactions before doing a fuller deep dive analysis episode later on in the month. I did this for Black Widow, I did this for Shang-Chi, and I'll be doing this next month for Eternals. But today the movie I'm talking about is not actually an MCU movie, and it's not a movie that I'm planning on doing a deeper dive analysis into at all. It's Venom, Let There Be Carnage, directed by the one and only Andy Serkis, fantastic voice and motion capture actor known for playing both Gollum in the Lord of the Rings universe and Snoke in the Star Wars universe. Also, of course, Ulysses Claw in the MCU, a movie that raked in over $90 million in the box office on its opening weekend, making it the strongest opening weekend of the COVID-19 era, surpassing Shang-Chi and Black Widow. So the success of this film can't be ignored. The marvelness of this film can't be ignored. And right here, I'll give a gigantic spoiler warning. I'm about to go into detail about what we see in Venom Let There Be Carnage, and specifically in the mid credit scene. So this is your spoiler warning. It's also a movie that seems to have some implications for the MCU. For these reasons, and because when I put a poll on Instagram, anyone who voted voted that, yes, I should do an episode on this, I'm here today to talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. This is a movie that I actually ended up seeing twice in its opening weekend. Came out Friday. I decided to go right after work as a way of kind of unwinding, doing some me time after what's been very busy couple of weeks for me, both in terms of work and socially, found myself really enjoying it. And in that way, the movie exceeded my expectations. Ended up going a second time because, incidentally, after I left the theater, got a text from guest of the podcast, Lori, my mom, asking, you know, how I was doing, what you're up to. Told her, hey, I just got out of the movie theater. And she goes, oh, Venom? Didn't realize that my mom was interested in seeing Venom. Turns out she and my dad were very interested in seeing Venom. And as I talked about before, I've been taking them to go see the MCU films as they've been coming out now. It's kind of our, our thing that will go one of the times that I go in the opening weekend. Had no idea that they'd be interested in this one in the same way, but they very much were. So ended up taking them on Sunday. So I saw it again. Did this movie blow me away? Absolutely not. Do I think this movie really stands among the entries of the MCU? In terms of bringing comic book storytelling with resonant themes and intricate weaving of webs and, and intricate character work, no, not in the same way, but I had a great time. If I didn't have a movie pass, would I have gone to see it twice? Probably not. Would I have gone to see it once? Maybe not at first, after I heard some of the hype, probably. But I'm glad that I saw it. And while it might rank as just okay if we're thinking about it in terms of the MCU, in terms of a comic book movie, in terms of a fun movie, I was entertained, I laughed, I had a great time, and I really enjoyed the performances in the film. On the second watch, actually, I think I even appreciated it more because even though there were some parts of it that felt like a little bit of a drag to get through since I already knew the story, and that's not something I usually feel with the MCU at all, I ultimately, the moments that were my favorite moments in the film outweighed that. And those moments were so good and so fun that ultimately that's what I'm taking away from the film. 
So things I liked about it. It was fun. It was weird. It was a total romp. It didn't take itself too seriously. The tone felt just right for a film that is really about a dysfunctional relationship between a man and the symbiote who lives in his body and also features Woody Harrelson serving some high camp in his line delivery. It felt like the film knew exactly what it was doing. Tom Hardy is an executive producer and has a story writing credit on the film. And I think that that's wonderful. You can sense that he's injected it with uh, a certain personality and tone that really comes across in his performance as an actor as well. I love that the film was only 90 minutes. I didn't think it needed more than that. And even though it's a sequel, it felt very much like a contained story. For example, my parents hadn't seen the first one. And frankly, I hadn't seen the first one since it came out and didn't remember it very well. And yet everyone felt like we totally understood what was going on. The movie didn't require homework going into it. And of course, the mid-credit scene suggests that there are going to be some connections between this film and things that we're going to see in the future. So that's interesting. But for what it's worth, it did feel like a contained, fun 90-minute romp. I mentioned Woody Harrelson's performance. I thought it perfectly matched the tone of the film. It was definitely over the top. The way that he says carnage, it's it's great. I, I Again, it wasn't too much for me. I think it was too much. But this whole movie is too much in a certain type of way. So I think it worked. I loved Michelle Williams as Anne for a role that is not a particularly fleshed out character who could be sort of seen as, as you know, just there as as something that the main character wants but can't have. I think that she did a great job. Of course, Michelle Williams is an excellent actor. I loved seeing her interact with Venom, like whispering over Eddie's shoulder to communicate with Venom. And then, of course, when she herself is being possessed by Venom, possess is not the right word, but when she has Venom um, with her and she's speaking on his behalf to Eddie, the scene where, where he, you know, asking Eddie for an apology. It was great. I loved her performance. I thought it was wonderful. When she's flirting with Mrs. Chen, who has <laughs> been taken over by, by Venom, I thought that was wonderful as well. That was one of my favorite scenes. She was great. And... Tom Hardy is fantastic. Tom Hardy's a fantastic actor. He can do serious roles, but he can also absolutely give characters like both Eddie Brock and Venom a level of intentionality and consistency that suggests that he was quite serious about the performance without making it feel as if he was taking the role too seriously. It's injected with a lot of humor and a lot of absurdity, and that's what works so well about it. By far, the best part of the movie is the relationship between Eddie and Venom. And the fact that it's the same actor playing both is really wonderful. I love the scene the morning after Eddie was fully rejected by Anne, or, you know, he finds out that she's engaged now and he's down in the dumps and Venom is <laughs> listening to the radio and singing and making an absolutely disgusting breakfast and just completely trashing the apartment. And his energy level is so completely different from Eddie's energy level, who's just so drained and vacant in his expression and so hurt. And you have Venom trying to cheer him up. It was so funny. And Tom Hardy is so charismatic and so winning as an actor that he somehow makes Venom really charming as well. Venom is actually very charismatic uh, 
Venom is cute in a way, (laughs) at least in my opinion. One of my other favorite scenes is when Venom and Eddie separate and then Venom goes to this dance party rave situation and he's wearing all the glow sticks and he goes to the microphone and he's just so proud to be who he is out of the Eddie closet and is talking about uh, aliens being treated equally, (laughs) lethal protector out. It's so ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous and I loved it. And ultimately I love that this movie is essentially a relationship story about these two people who reluctantly are cohabitating and then they separate for some time and then they realize that they need each other, that they are a match. It's really sweet. And I, again, I kind of appreciate the movies not trying to do more than that thematically. I love doing deep dives. I love getting into some snooty academic stuff and talking about Captain America Civil War. But I also think it's okay for a comic book movie to be a romp. And to get back to basics of heroes fighting villains who are essentially different versions of themselves, you have you have Eddie poised against Cletus Cassidy. Cletus certainly sees a, a, a kinship or some some pathos in Eddie and tries to make a connection with him about what they do have in common. And then, of course, you have Carnage, who is mean, scary, red venom. <laughs> and it, it's, you know, it's simple, but it works. Not to say that everything in the movie works for me, because there are some things that fell flat. Like, for example, Carnage is bigger, scarier, redder venom. Not as charming, by any means. Wouldn't look good with some glow sticks. Has got some creepy tendrils, which inexplicably can hack into computers and immediately find what the human host wants, but okay. But Carnage didn't, I I didn't quite understand his motivation in this, other than to kill his father, Venom, who he calls his father. Confused me a little bit. Again, only saw it twice, and I really wasn't, looking for it as much as I was enjoying Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams and Venom. But something seems to be lacking there. And even Cletus Cassidy's motivation, to be honest, I understand that he found his one bright light, his love. I understand that he's a completely damaged, wretched individual who found love in Francis. And I think that love can serve as a motivation in this type of story. I'm not against that. But to what I was saying before, I like the story was simple. That seemed a little bit too simple. And I wasn't sold on their relationship or their love. And that kind of brings me to the other thing that didn't work as well for me, which is the character of Frances or Shriek, as they call her. I think the idea of Shriek is super compelling. I think her her powers are pretty cool, but it wasn't clear as to how or why she had them. Or is she a mutant? Were they hinting toward that without saying it? And I think her character was also underdeveloped and and inconsistent. She definitely served as a motivation for Cletus. I would have liked to see some more of her and what her deal is. She says she's looking for the officer, Mulligan, who shot her and, and resulted in the loss of her eye. And I guess more importantly, her inability to escape where they were taking her to. But it felt a little bit like, all right, so... She loves Cletus. She wants to extract vengeance on him. 
Why is she so quick to embrace carnage? And why is it too far for her in the end when carnage is threatening Anne? And she tells Cletus, oh, this is too far. When it seemed like she was fully in on the plan before, it just seemed a bit inconsistent. And and a shame because I do think that Naomi Harris was a compelling presence on screen. And as I said, I think the idea of the character is very cool. But the relationship between her and, and Cletus and her character just didn't work as well for me. All right, so the mid credit scene. First of all, I love how Eddie and Venom are at the beach at the end of the movie and Venom's feet are in the sand. Very cute. I love the mid credit scene opens up. They're in the hotel room and they're watching a telenovela. I think that kind of perfectly matches the tone of this movie. Telenovelas are very melodramatic. <laughs> they're very silly. They're very um, heightened. Characters are very over the top in those types of stories. So I think that fits. And then we get into what has a lot of people talking and what I would wager got more people out to go see this movie than perhaps it would have otherwise. Maybe. I don't know that for sure. But we see in the mid credit scene a tie-in with the MCU. First, we have Venom telling Eddie about his past, about how there, there are things that he hasn't told Eddie, that he hasn't been able to share with him because it would be too much for him to handle because Venom is part of a symbiote hive mind where they have gained knowledge throughout years and universes. And so then he allows Eddie to kind of tap into this and see some of this. And then after that, things kind of go haywire. But then we see on the television, J. Jonah Jameson and the Daily Bugle. And it is the exclusive story about the identity of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, Peter Parker. So this is confirming an overlap in the universes here. But what exactly this means I'm sure many people are speculating, are we going to see Venom in Spider-Man No Way Home? If not No Way Home, are we going to see Venom in the MCU in the future? And or are we going to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man make appearances in the Sony side of the Spider-Man content? Either way, of course, I found the mid credit scene exciting. That's part of why I love the MCU is seeing the manner in which the stories and characters are going to connect. But it also raises a lot of questions about how much of what comes out from the Sony side is canonical to the MCU or how much of it becomes required viewing for an MCU completionist moving forward. So I'm still working through some of my thoughts about what this means. I'm not sure if there is room for Tom Hardy's Venom in, Spider in Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't even know what to speculate about Spider-Man No Way Home anymore. I do think the idea of bringing Tom, Har of bringing Tom Holland's Spider-Man into the Sony side of things would certainly be something that is profitable and desirable to Sony, so I could see them doing that. We'll have to wait and see. 
Do you want Venom in the MCU? Do you want Spider-Man in the Sony-verse? Do you have questions or concerns about where this is going? You could let me know at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Please feel free to share your thoughts. I always love hearing from listeners. And of course, stay tuned for this week's main episode dropping on Friday.